At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. This is the look ahead on VSN, the sports betting network. It is our number two of the look ahead right here on VSN, the sports betting network. Big thanks to Jim Root of the Three Man Weave, who joined me right here on the show in our number one. We talked a little bit of college basketball with him, so he was able to deliver the goods there. Mackenzie Kramer, he does a great job. He is the researcher over there at the Daily Wager. He's going to be joining me here in about 15 or so minutes, and we're actually going to have him in studio. So that's going to be a lot of fun, and it is always a lot of fun to be able to chat with these guests and so much more. And a big reason why we're able to give you some of these great guest interviews, a lot of what we wind up doing in general, is of thanks to everyone behind the scenes that always puts in great work. You've got Nick Wells, our wonderful technical director. You've got my man, Jason. He does a terrific job of being able to produce everything. I know that he wound up setting up this interview with Mackenzie that we're going to be having coming up in about 15 or so minutes. You've got my audio technician. That would be Taylor. He does a great job getting me set up on a night in and out basis. All these guys do absolutely amazing work. So a big thanks to them and all that they do. And I've got the easy job. I just need to talk about sports and everything like that. Try to give you guys some winners. And we're going to try to do that right about now as we've got ourselves a relatively full college basketball Saturday. It's a lot of different conferences like I was talking about with Jim in the first hour. There is not necessarily a lot of sizzle because you've only got one ranked team that's going to be out there. That would be Iowa. We're going to be talking about that game a little bit later. But what we do have is this smart kid sitting the floor. And this is going to be the game that I write up for DK Nation as we've got 887, 888 Harvard hitting the road faceoff against Princeton. Princeton's between a 7.5 and an 8-point favorite. In your Toronto scheme, you're going to be finding it anywhere between 142 and 143. Princeton certainly not a team that's going to be going out there and is going to be like completely gunning it with regards to possessions per game. This is a team that they do rank outside the top 100 with that aspect. And for that matter, for Princeton, this is a team that they are a bunch that they've really been more of a just control team in general. When it comes to possession turnovers on a per possession basis, they rank in the top 20 in all of college basketball. 17th to be exact, they turn the ball over right around 15% of their possessions. Harvard may have been a little bit more loose with it ever since Chris Ludlum wound up going out of the full with an injury. But with that said, the DK Nation that I'm going to be giving out is the over with Princeton is a team that ranks number 14 in all of college basketball in terms of points scored on a per possession basis and a big reason why is their three-point shooting. They shoot as a collective just below 38% from three. They're in the top 20 in all of college basketball at that aspect. And 
They're going up against a Harvard team that is 296th with regards to opponent's three-point shooting percentage. And to go even deeper, Harvard is allowing teams at home to shoot a little bit over 33% from three-point range on the road. This balloons at 38.1%. So I do think that that is going to be a big, giant bugaboo for them. And it's a big reason why I also do mind saying Princeton as an 8.5-point favorite. With Princeton, you've got Tucson, Eve Blauman. Hopefully I'm saying that one correctly. Always tough to give that last name a little bit of a shot. But he's someone that is eight with Mr. Tucson. I think that that's a little bit of an easier way of putting it. He's been able to give you five assists as a six foot eight stretch player. He's able to give you 15 points per game. And then you've got Ryan Langborg coupled with Jalen Llewellyn. They combined to be able to put in there about 27 or so points per game. Both of these guys shoot it well from three-point range. On the flip side, you take a look at what you're going to be able to get out of this Harvard team. And it's really the Noah Kirkwood show at this point. He's able to chip in there 17 points. Is right now leading the team in terms of total rebounds. They will give you a few assists per game. But with Harvard, you've just got so many injuries for this team. You were hoping that Mr. Lesmond was going to be out there a little bit more. He's been out of the fold along with Chris Ledlam. Ledlam was a guy that was able to give you about 16 points, nine rebounds per game. Now, it does feel like Harvard's been able to figure something out in two out of the last three games. They've been able to score at least 74 points. Prior to that, they'd been held to 65 points or fewer in five out of their last six games. So certainly has been a Harvard team that has seen a little bit of a dip with their offense, but they still play relatively up-tempo. They're right around 100th with regards to possessions per game, so this is not a team that is necessarily sitting on their hands or a team that they're looking to play a little bit faster. But that said, I do think that Princeton is going to be able to win out in this spot. Dan Freyerberg has been able to do a good job. He shoots right around 38% from three-point range. Lots of good weapons for this Princeton team, and they do get some relatively solid rebounding as well. So I was willing to lay up to 8.5 here with Princeton, with them being between 7.5 and 8. I'm willing to take that. And what I gave up for DK Nation is the over. I wound up going over the total in this spot. I wound up setting my total at a 146.5, seeing it anywhere between 142 and 143. So we're looking at the over with the DK Nation pick, and I'm looking to lay it with Princeton. When it comes to other action out there in college basketball, I do think that you're going to have some good Sunbelt action as well. And the game that I really think is going to be intriguing is 871-872 on the bank board. Louisiana going on the road. They're going to be facing off against Georgia State. Georgia State find themselves about a mid-range favorite here. You're going to be finding them anywhere between six and six and a half point favorites in your total, anywhere between 139 and 140. And when it comes to Louisiana, it's a team that they actually play relatively up-tempo themselves. Really, both of these teams are teams that are going to be looking to push pace a little bit more with Louisiana in terms of a possessions per game basis. They rank right around 55th. In all of college basketball, this is a Georgia State team that they're more around 135th. But Georgia State, typically this is a team that they shoot it really well from three-point range. But this year, they've been really off with it. They're shooting about 32% from three-point range. Now, Eel and Some is someone that has come back for Georgia State ever since really the start of conference play. You wanted missing all of non-conference play. You wanted missing a few games out there in sub-belt action. So, wanted missing about half the season. But... He's been able to do a good job for this bunch. He's been a guy that's been able to give you right around 9 to 10 rebounds per game. Not necessarily a prolific scorer, but has good post moves. But if you take a look at Louisiana, I do think that they're going to be able to hold up against him. And I think that they're going to hold in there for the game in general because you do have a team that they do a good job on the interior. Theo Akwuba along with Jordan Brown are able to combine for about 16 and a half rebounds per game. Akwuba is able to give you a little bit of a block per contest. You've got Jordan Brown, a former McDonald's All-American 
who began his career at Nevada. He was able to shoot right around 38-ish percent from three-point range. A guy that gives you 15 points per game. He has been rock solid for this bunch. You've also got Duguay, who's been able to give you a couple of rebounds down low for Louisiana. I think that that is really what's going to be able to keep this team live. When it comes to Georgia State, just year in and year out, this has always been a team that's had a little bit of a tough time on the glass with Ensume. They have been able to do a little bit better with this aspect. And I will say, both of these teams halfway decent on defense. Got a Georgia State team that they rank in the top 80 with regards to points allowed on a per possession basis. Louisiana, they're more around 100th. So both of these teams have been able to do a relatively solid job there. But I do think that you're going to see the tempo wind up getting pushed a little bit more in this game. And when it comes to Georgia State, just a team that you expected some of these guys to be able to take a little bit more of a stride forward. Corey Allen along Kane Williams. They're combining to average 26 points per game, but both of these guys, you thought they would be mid to high 30% three-point shooters, and they just haven't been that this season. With Georgia State, they've been able to get a little bit of something out of some like a Jalen Thomas is able to give you six rebounds per game, but they don't necessarily do the world's greatest job on the glass with Louisiana having someone in Gentrell Garnett who's been able to shoot nearly 50% from three-point range. It should be able to hold them at bay in this game. I did wind up setting this line at five and a half, so I'm going to be willing to take the points here with Louisiana. I do think that this is going to come down to a little bit of late game felling. You do have Louisiana team that you know shoot about 70 or so percent at the free line. Georgia State, anybody's been relatively rock solid at the free line. They shoot right around 70 percent as a collective themselves. So I'm going to be taking a look at this total over as I set my total at a 145 and a half, and I'm going to be taking a look at the points with Louisiana. I also think it's going to be intriguing what we wind up getting out there in the Atlantic 10. How about if we go Richmond versus St. Louis? This is a game on the betting board that is 883-884. Richmond is finding themselves between a 2.5 and a, and a 3 point favorite. So on this game, you're going to be finding a clock in anywhere between a 143 and a 144. And I did wind up saying the total at a 142 because you do have a Richmond team that they do rank outside the top 250 with regards to possessions per game. St. Louis has actually really been able to push tempo. They rank in the top 100, so we have seen the St. Louis team be able to try to form themselves as a little bit more of an up-tempo team. But the thing with St. Louis, and we talked about it with Jim in the first hour, is that they're just turning the ball over a little bit too much. They've overall for the year had right around 13 turnovers per contest, but things have gotten really bad with Yuri Collins, three-plus turnovers in four of the team's last five games. Now, he does give out eight assists per game. He is towards the top of all of college basketball. With regards to assists per game, a guy that's been able to shoot in the mid-30s from three-point range. And for St. Louis, it's a much-improved shooting team. You may recall a few years ago, this was a team that you didn't want it back because they were just so bad at the free line in those spreads where they were like laying six, seven points. You figured that there would be the march of the free throw line. You wanted no part of St. Louis because Hassan French would step up and it would shoot like 30% at the free throw line. But now they're a team that they're much better with that aspect. You've got Gibson Jimerson, a guy that's able to shoot 40% for three, 17 points per game. But with Richmond, Grant Golden, along with Tyler Burton, have been able to do a good job. As versatile low post pieces. Golden is a guy that at six foot ten has been able to give you right around three assists per game. You take a look at both of these gentlemen, they combine to be able to give you about thirty-one and a half points per game. They combine to be able to give you in the pocket of about 13-ish rebounds per game. So both of these guys have been solid. I mentioned the turnover wolves that you've got with St. Louis. How about having the number one player all time with regards to steals for a D1 career? And Jacob Gilliard on the other end. They will give you three steals, six assists, 12 points per game. The Richmond team that they do a great job of being able to take care of the ball. They turn the ball over fewer than 10 times per contest. That ranks in the top 15 in all of college basketball. Richmond is a team that 
They need to shape it up a little bit more with their defense. They have been a little bit better at home as they're giving a 5.2 points per 100 possessions basis. Fewer at home than they are on the road. And St. Louis, for the entirety of the season, they've been relatively solid. It's a bunch that they're giving up on a per possession basis, a little bit under one point per possession. They rank overall 67th in the country with this aspect. But on the road, they are giving up 12 more points per 100 than they are at home. I was willing to lay up to four here with Richmond, so I'm going to be willing to lay it. I think it's going to be a little bit of a slower game, so take a look at the under. Coming up next, we're going to be talking with Mackenzie Kramer. Does a great job as a researcher over there with the Daily Wager. He joins me next right here on VSIN, the Sports Bank Network. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. This is the look ahead on VSIN, the sports betting network. If you are looking for more sports betting discussion that is centered around your local teams, well, Bet Rivers has you covered as they have launched a series of CityCasts to be able to capture all this from a local perspective. There are CityCasts for Chicago, Denver, Detroit, Los Angeles, New York, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, and now we've got Washington, D.C. in the mix. Subscribe to your local CityCast wherever your podcast says. It is a look at with myself, Greg Spearson, holding it down for Scott Seidenberg tonight and We've got Mackenzie Kramer on the show. He does an absolutely terrific job. He is a researcher over there at the Daily Wager. And to be able to follow Mackenzie on Twitter, he is a good follow at MacNova. That is all together. Mackenzie, it's great to have you on tonight. Thank you. Thrilled to be here. First time, long time. Been listening to your pod for years. I don't know how you can possibly put out a daily three-hour, four-hour pod like it used to be, especially on some Saturdays. So I'm thrilled to be able to talk some college basketball and other sports with you. Uh, the Saturday podcast is going to be another long one. With that said, going to be the last of these super-duper long ones. They wind up winding down a little bit more from there. And what I always marvel at with you is how you wind up finding out all these just very strange stats that you wind up doing so. Because I know you wind up taking a look at, like, Evansville rebounds in recent days and things like that. Is there, like, a couple go-tos that you wind up taking a look at for some of these, like, off-the-wall stats for when it's, like, Oh, it's the first game in like 30 years in which we wind up having like no offensive rebounds in a game or something like that. Yeah, well, at ESPN, we have contracts with a couple different stats companies so we can access some of their databases and things like that. For example, the Evansville thing I heard you talk about in the podcast yesterday, fewest rebounds in any game this season. William and Mary today dropping 20 points against Northeastern, fewest points in any game this season. We can look that stuff up. And then we have internal databases that with odds for uh, NBA, NHL, college football, college basketball, where 
kind of expanding more, uh, more and more of what we can access because, you know, gambling is growing so much. And at ESPN, with Daily Wager, we're trying to make that the marquee gambling show in, in, uh, on the network TV. So that's what we're trying to do. And, uh, yeah, we have a lot of different places we can look up a lot of really cool stats. Yep, it certainly is awesome to be able to take a look at all that. And I know you're someone that you do a good job of being able to research how teams have done historically against the spread straight up. How much do you wind up taking a look at trends? Because I do think that trends when it comes to certain sports are a little bit more important than others. Like baseball, I think is really the biggest trend sport out there. You have teams that they go hot, they go cold. Do you want to be taking a look at that big giant sample size? Like when it comes to college basketball, something I've been taking a look at is home underdogs struggling recently, but how much do you wind up personally putting into it? It all depends on what the trend is. Like, for example, on our ESPN chalk page, I write the NFL trends column every week for for, for uh, pro football. And a lot of the trends I do in there, I freely admit, they are not predictive at all. It is all just looking mm -hmm. backwards and, and, you know, just because it happened five years ago or 10 years ago that this is the trend has nothing to do with this particular game. However, I agree, baseball is probably the most predictive sport, whether it comes to breaking down how teams do against lefties or righties or against, you know, certain, we can break things down by pitches or like you said, like how teams are doing uh, recently. What are teams, uh, what, what's the WOBA of a team against left-handed pitching the last 10 games or anything like that? I, I, I do agree that baseball and maybe NBA are the ones that trends probably matter the most in terms of uh, doing research and actually predicting games. Yep, I do agree with you there because when it comes to baseball, I can't tell you how important it is to take a look at how a team has done against a veteran pitcher. I'm not talking about, oh, there's been two games in which they wanted to face a guy against a guy. And in two innings, they wound up getting no hits or something like that. That's when it's like, okay, what the heck is that? And I think it's really important to sift through what's important and what's not. When you wind up getting something rock solid, like Coach K is like 15 and two all time against Team X. That's something that you're able to look at. And then at the same time, I'm sure that you come across these as well. It's like Team X is 13 and two on Wednesdays in which the weather is anywhere between 65 and 70 degrees and insert coach here is wearing his lucky socks and you just sit there and it's like what the heck <laughs> is this and how difficult is it for you to be able to take a look at some of these trends and determine all right this is actually a trend that is very meaningful and then some of these trends which it's like eh I don't know about this one well that's kind of the fine line when it comes to looking this stuff up because if you just look at how teams do overall most of the time it's going to regress back to 500. If you just look at how teams do as a favorite or as an underdog or on the road or how, like the whole goal for the sports books is to get everything around 50%. So our job is to try to find the trends that actually can kind of try to tell you something. Sure. You can sometimes get very, you know, down in the weeds, try to figure out how teams do in really, really specific situations. Sometimes that can come in handy. Like sometimes it's important. For example, like with NFL, like I might want to say, oh, excluding week 17 slash 18 games because they might be benching their starters in the middle of the game. So, you know, you might want to add a qualifier like that that actually helps you tell the story. Whereas other times, like you said, if you want to do how teams do on Tuesdays, like for example, I know one stat that was going around Vill uh, Villanova Providence was uh, what I, f I forget which team it was, but they're doing really well on Tuesdays. Like that doesn't really tell me anything, but sure, it's a nice stat to know, but it's not predictive at all. So it's 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 fun coming up with stats, but you're right. A lot of the time they're sometimes they're predictive, most of the time they're not. But you know, they're always fun. And they're always good content. Yep, they certainly are. It can cause for 
just a lot of fun in general as we do have joining me right here Mackenzie Gramer he does an absolutely terrific job as a researcher over there at Daily Wager and Mackenzie I know that you do a great job of taking a look at college basketball and I know that you're very dialed in with regards to a lot of the we're just going to call it West Coast schools the Mountain West the Pac-12 we wound up seeing some good Pac-12 action tonight we actually Frankly enough, just wound up seeing a game go final between USC and Oregon State. Oh, that's was, good ex- was not expecting to have a full hour of live Pac-12 action on this show, but we were able to have that. But what's really been your takeaways with regards to the Pac-12? Because I really think that it is Arizona at number one, UCLA at number two, USC at number three, and then everyone else. But I was talking about with Jim Root. Not sure if I could necessarily be sold on USC. Then again, I wouldn't be surprised if USC winds up making a run in March. I mean, USC nearly lost a quad four game tonight against Oregon State oh. with three and 22 Oregon State team. One of the stats that we looked up uh, in case Oregon State had won, they would have had the lowest winning percentage of any team to beat a ranked team in the last 20 years. <laughs> so, or Sorry, at least 20 games into the season in the history of the AP poll. I can't even read my notes. Um, but to your point, though, I do agree that Arizona and UCLA are a clear tier above the rest. UCLA obviously taking the loss to Oregon, getting swept this year. I thought that line was shorter than allowed the advanced metrics to would suggest. I wanted that UCLA, but it kind of smelled like a trap. But Arizona seems like the class of that league. Kirk Creason with a triple-double tonight. Uh, first triple-double by an Arizona player since Andre Iguodala. And I think with Arizona, it, it, them and Auburn are two teams that kind of interest me in terms of what they were preseason and what they are now. Like, one thing I was looking up earlier today was both those teams kind of entered the season with pretty long odds. Uh, Arizona was 50-1. Uh, to one, Auburn was 60-1. to one. So I was trying to figure out potential one seeds that came out of nowhere, kind of like those teams would. How did they do in the tournament? Like, last five years... Uh, there were more teams that got knocked out in the first weekend that were 50 to one or longer that were one seeds as opposed to those that actually made the final four. Like Virginia 2018, 100 to one preseason, bounced in the first round. Uh, 2018, Xavier was 50 to one, bounced in the second round. We did have Gonzaga in 2017 make the final four, uh, the runner up at 60 to one preseason, the Nigel Williams Goss team. Um, but this Arizona team, I mean, they look really good and they have a, a strong, they've been so good for so long. They t- sure they had a couple years off at the end of the Sean Miller area, but. This team, on paper, they have a lot of talent, and I, I think they have a real chance to run de- to make a deep run. Yep, I do agree with you there. And when it comes to just teams in general that typically set themselves up for March, as we know, you got things like Ken Pomeroy, who he's always got his predictive metrics, and I know that there's something that goes around that I think a team needs to be in something like the top 15, I would like to say, in both offensive and defensive efficiency for them to be able to have a shot at the national title. It might be more specifically top 20, but it's something around that neighborhood. Have you noticed anything with regards to past champions and sort of a criteria that you're taking a look at? I mean, kind of like what you said, I like to look at the balanced teams. I, I don't necessarily need top 15, but like top 20, top 25, if you're... If you're not a balanced team, I'm probably like if you're Purdue, for instance, and you're first in offense and 119th in defense, it's hard to really trust you. LSU, 106th on offense, fourth on defense, or Texas uh, or Texas Tech even, 51st on offense, first on defense. The kind of imbalanced teams, it's hard to really uh, have them make a deep run in the tournament, especially if you're all offense. The all offense teams typically really struggle in the tournament. There's a really bad history of teams with uh, really high offense efficiencies and really bad uh, defensive efficiencies that are really high ranked, like Iowa last year getting blown out by Oregon. Um, I mean, Purdue on paper, I want to like them. They have the NBA point guard in Jaden Ivey, Trevion Williams, and uh, and Edie, one of the best 
post duos, maybe the post duo in the country, but that defense is so hard to, to look past when it, that 119th number, that's really hard to look past when it takes when it comes to taking Purdue to make a deep run. Yep, I'm right there with you. Do I think that Purdue is a very solid team, a team that is going to be able to win a couple games in the NCAA tournament? I do think so, but at the same time, unless we wind up seeing that defense shape up, it is going to be a little bit tough, and it is incredible how they wind up getting all the giants of the earth, by the way. I do have to throw that in there. Zach Eady something like seven foot five. Travion Williams is a guy that's able to pop threes. It's absolutely insane. I'll ask for some of the teams that you think might be able to rise up on the other side because I do think that it is really important to be able to take a look at when it comes to taking a look at the futures board in college basketball. It is one of the more intriguing markets to be able to take a look at. And you've got so many ways to bet it. I've come on this network many times. I always like to talk about my money line rollover rather than taking a traditional future. And I know that McKenzie has a great way of taking a look at so many of these teams. So we're going to be hitting upon that and so much more on the other side right here on the look at on VSIN, the sports betting network. This is the look ahead on VSIN, the sports betting network. Need more college basketball insight? Well, check out Coast to Coast Hoops because I look at every single game on the college basketball betting board every single day, whether it be major or minor, to be able to find you some good betting opportunities. I've got an opinion on every single hoops game. I give you my side total analysis on every one of them. You're able to download Coast to Coast Hoops at vsan.com slash podcast or if you get your podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, list goes on and on. And while you're there, you're able to catch up on every single VEASAN show as well, as it is to look at with myself, Greg Eves Peterson, and we're being joined by Mackenzie Kramer. Does a great job. He is the lead researcher over there at the Daily Wager. Terrific show over there at ESPN. You're able to file, follow him on Twitter at MacNova. And Mackenzie, we were talking about this a little bit off air. You're a guy that you absolutely love the Big East, and I know that you've got some sets on this. What do you make out of everything that Providence has been doing right now? I am one of those people that it does take a little bit of a special breed of coach slash team to be able to pull out a lot of these close games. And I do think that there is something to clutch team. And at the same time, I don't necessarily think that this is sustainable. And it seems like you're in the same boat as me. Well, it's tough because when you watch the Xavier game, it's like you're just waiting for that other shoe to drop for Providence to win that game because they win every one of these games. But historically, like that's just not something that happens. You always regress the mean when it comes to this. I mean, Ken Palm's got the stat called luck. I mean, Providence fans take offense to the term luck, but that's what Ken Palm calls it. And in the 21 years Ken Palm has tracked the stat, they are the quote unquote luckiest team in any major conference. I believe there was a Wagner team about 10, 15 years ago that it was the only luckier team according to their metrics just because they win every single close game. And right now they're gonna be a top four seed based on pretty much every bra every bracket uh, I've seen out there. And they deserve it because their resume is probably that of a three seed, maybe even a two seed. But the problem is that they're outside the top 40 in Ken Palm. The last team outside the top 40 in Ken Palm to get a top four seed was Vanderbilt in 2008. And they played Seattle in the first round of 413 game, got absolutely blown out. <laughs> I remember that as a Villanova fan because, uh, you know, they got, they got Seattle in the second round that helped get them in the second round. We simply don't see teams with this type of profile get a high seed anymore, especially now that the committee takes in these advanced metrics a lot more than they used to. But Providence, like, you can't deny the wins. Like, their resume is that of a top seed, and you have to see them that way, I think. Yep, I was someone that I wanted backing them in that game against Xavier, so I was very happy that the game kept on going to overtime and overtime, and they were able to pull that one out, but... Certainly, it is one of these cases in which 
I do think that they're a team that they're able to execute late. And I do think that there is something to that. And at the same time, it's sort of like when you wind up going to work, if you're driving through like rush hour traffic, there are certain drivers that they know how to be able to maneuver a little bit better than others. And at the same time, you don't want to be trying to cut it close every single time that you're driving into work as well. So I do think that, that that's a little bit of a thing to take a look at. And Mackenzie, I know that you've done quite a bit with regards to NBA MVP as well. I think that this is really intriguing because as we know, Joel Embiid, he has really been able to rise up the board for much of the season. It has been all about Steph Curry as well. What have you really been able to find with regards to your research? Because certainly I know that you've been able to unearth quite a few things, and I think that it's going to be a good race moving forward. Yeah, I mean, to me, it's a, a three-man race between Giannis, Embiid, and Jokic, and pretty much every statistical metric you look at, those are the top three guys. DeMar DeRozan's been kind of making a late run into it. He moved to 16-1 to at Caesars, which is the site that ESPN uses. He was 22-1 to entering the day, so DeRozan's making a, a deep a, a late run there. But and I, he's got the clutch streak. Yeah, I mean, when you're at putting 35 points a game and you're shooting over 50% in every game, like, you know, it's <laughs> it's going to help your MVP. I, was, I, I don't really buy it with him. I think it is a three-man race. But I think at this point of the year, you don't really trust – you, you can't really trust the favorite, especially when it comes to a guy like Joel Embiid who's got such a, such an injury history. I have a, a pretty big ticket on Embiid at 50-1. to 1. I really want Embiid to win. I bet at the day Durant got hurt. But Embiid is a type of guy he could get hurt any minute. And if you look at the histor- history of the MVP – Last year at this time, it was LeBron was the favored, uh, and it was LeBron and Embiid. It was kind of a two-man race. Jokic was kind of an afterthought. He was down in the in the in the odds board. Uh, two years ago, Giannis was the odds-on favorite. This time, he won. That's fine. Three years ago, James Harden was mid, was minus three hundred in mid-February. He didn't win that year. That was Giannis. So two of the last three years, the favorite at this time of the year was not the guy who ended up winning the award. And at plus one forty, plus one twenty-five, I don't know what the uh, plus one thirty looks like at DraftKings. Like. I think Jokic and, and Adetokounmpo have just as good a chance to win as Embiid. The one issue with Giannis is the voter fatigue. He's won two of the last three years. Are they really going to give it to him again? I mean, Jokic, he won last year. There might be a little bit of voter fatigue with him. Embiid right now is the hot new guy. He hasn't won yet. I understand why he's the favorite. He probably deserves to be the favorite, but plus 130, those odds are way too short for me, and I think there's a little bit of value in Jokic and Adetokounmpo right now. I don't see Curry winning. I don't see Morant winning. I don't really see Booker winning. I don't think he's going to put the numbers even on that great team. Um, and like I said before, I don't really see DeRozan winning at 22 to one though. 22 to one at DraftKings, that's not terrible value, but I, I, I don't really see it with DeRozan to be honest with you. And I think that you bring up something big as well. You mentioned voter fatigue. And when it comes to taking a look at these awards, obviously you can take a look at all the metrics that you do, but I always touch upon this. Whether you're taking a look at NBA MVP, NFL MVP, Cy Young Awards, list goes on and on. You do have that aspect in which you've got to put your mind in sort of the head of the voters. And sometimes that could be a deep, depressing place, to say the least. And I do think that it is important to take a look at some of these guys that they are able to execute late. I mentioned it with Tavar DeRozan. Does he have the metrics that a lot of these other guys do know? But at the same time, he's been hitting a lot of clutch shots recently. That's certainly going to be standing out in the eyes of them. How do you wind up sort of trying to mix it two? Because... You do have to take into account the human element, but at the same time, you've got to be taking a look at all these efficiency ratings and these nuanced stats as well. I mean, listen, if DeMar DeRozan keeps doing what he's been doing for the last 10 games or so, and he does that for the rest of the year, and the Bulls get the one seed in the East, DeRozan's probably going to win the award. Now, I don't. I think that's drawing to a, an inside straight, if we're talking poker terms, but I, I, I think DeRozan would have a chance if all that happened. I just... 
we've seen DeRozan play for over a decade in the NBA. Like, I don't think he's this good. I don't think he's MVP good. So that that's kind of my case with him, my take with him. But all three guys right now, the top three favorites, they all play on very good teams. They're all very efficient. They all have really good counting stats. They all have good advanced metrics. Um, I mean, it's it's hard to really it's hard to really decipher between the three right now, in my opinion. And you can make the argument that Jokic has actually been better this year than he was last year when he wound up winning it last year. It became sort of a case in which it was an attendance award for what you were bringing up a little bit earlier with guys like Joel Embiid getting injured towards the back half of that season as well. And I think you need a handicap part of the injury thing, too. You mentioned the MLB races, like the Cy Young race with Jacob deGrom. DeGrom oh, was, yeah. what, he was minus 800 in some spots <laughs> at some points of last year, and then he gets hurt, and all of a sudden he's off the board. In the NBA MVP race earlier in the year, it's all about Curry and Durant. Both of them got hurt. When the favorite is a guy who has some sort of an injury history, I think you need to take that into account. And going back to the MLB as well, you've got to take a look at if you think a team is going to have a little bit of a fall-off slash you're not going to be able to have a good second half of the season as well because we wound up seeing that in the MLB with Fernando Tatis Jr. When Jacob deGrom went down, you figured that he might be able to get the award, but because the Padres were one of the biggest hot messes in the month of September that we've ever seen in our lives, he doesn't wind up getting that award. So I do think that that's something to take a look at as well if you see a fall-off for the Denver Nuggets, if you think that the 76ers aren't going to be able to mesh together after that trade. That is something that you want to be taking a look at, in my opinion, a little bit as well. And Mackenzie, I know that you mentioned to me that you're taking a look at a little bit of what we've got on this college basketball Friday as well. Once again, it's a board in which you don't necessarily have a lot of marquee teams, but we do have one ranked team out there. That'd be Iowa. They're going to be going on the road, facing off against Nebraska, finding themselves as a grody 11 to 11 half point underdog Nebraska is. And boy, has that been going well for them, but what hey, Fred Hoiberg's back. <laughs> yes, he is. And I don't know if that's necessarily for the better, but with that said, what have you really found out about this game? Because I do think that it might be a little bit of an intriguing spot here with an Iowa team that no doubt they're able to get it done on offense and no doubt defense leaves a little bit of something to be desired. Well, the first thing that kind of stands out to me about that game is the total at 161 and a half, I believe I saw, which would be the highest in any Big Ten game this season. And in the Big Ten, the last five years, when the when the total is at 150 or above, the unders hit 58% of the time. So usually when there's these high totals in the Big Ten, they tend to hit the under. Now, both these teams are two of the best over teams in the season, which is part of the reason why the total is so high. Both also played at an extremely fast pace. Though Iowa's been not, Iowa's 18, 8, and 1 to the over this year, but only 5 and 4 on the road. So I would tend to lean the under in this game. I don't really have a strong take on that, but I thought it was pretty interesting looking at that total being that high in that game. And well, how do you wind up gauging some of these games in which it is a rematch of something that we wind up seeing recently? Because first time around, total was more around 158, 159. You wind up seeing that wind up going over at Nebraska. Just wind up destroying Iowa. I was personally on the over the first time around. That was able to get the job done. I do think that this is going to be a spot in which I do think that it's going to be a little bit more pedestrian for both offenses myself. I set my total at 163, but certainly I don't see the outlandish scoring that we wound up seeing in game number one. But have you found anything out about some of these games that are rematches? I haven't really dug into dug that deeply into that but that's a really good idea that's something i'd absolutely should look into but 
I mean, like you said, the first the first meeting at 80 possessions, that kind of helps yeah. adjust the total up a little bit. I mean, 98 to 75 final, so ni 98 points in 80 possessions that game for Iowa. So I don't know if we'll get 80 possessions again in this one, but uh, right now the Ken Palm projections at 74. So we'll see uh, what happens tomorrow night. That certainly would be a lot to ask, to say the least. And we asked a lot out of you, Mackenzie, and you did an absolutely terrific job. So big thanks to Mackenzie Gramer of the Daily Wager for joining me right here on the look at it coming up next. We're going to be taking a look at some college basketball right here on VSIN Esports Bank Network. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar, whether it's a walk off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. This is the look ahead on VSIN, the sports betting network. Before you make your next bet, be sure to visit vsin.com to check out the current betting splits data. This new feature gives you insights on where the money and the bets are going for every single game. You'll be able to see where the public is betting based on the number of tickets and where the money does not match up with the public opinion. It is available for money line over, under, and against the spread bets. And betting splits are another way the VEASAN is here to make you a smarter better year-round. So check out today's betting splits for every single game at VEASAN.com as it is a look at with myself, Greg Peterson. Great to have Mackenzie Kramer join me right here in studio tonight. Does a great job as he is the lead researcher over at there at the show Daily Wager for ESPN. Just a fountain full of knowledge. Was great to be able to get just how he winds up being able to come up with some of these stats. Just a little bit of insight when it comes to some of these games as well. So that was absolutely terrific chatter there. And it's going to be really interesting in a topic that we want to talk to him about. Just what we're going to be able to get out of the NBA MVP race as well. That is something that I think is very fascinating. I still think that Seth Curry has a little bit of a shot myself just because you do have a bunch of writers that may wind up voting on this. If you do wind up having some flashy moments, I do think that that is something to really take a look at. So it's going to be interesting to take a look at that moving forward. And it's always interesting to take a look at some college basketball. How about if we dive into what we're all going to be getting on the board as We've actually got a lot of Sunbelt action. Typically, you don't wind up seeing this on Friday, but this is not a normal Friday. How about if we wind up going 893, 894 with an underdog that I like? Troy going to be playing us to Texas State. Texas State between a 1.5 and, and a 2-point favorite. Solon's game is anywhere between 128.5 and 129. And with Troy, I recognize that this is not a team that's going to light the world on fire when it comes to offense, but... With their defense, they rank in the top one earned with the guards points a lot on a per-possession basis, and I do think that they should be able to get the job done in this spot. I pretty much flipped it. I want to make Troy the two-point favorite in this game. You do have a Troy team that has been looking to push a tempo a little bit more this season. Scott Cross, while he was at UT Arlington, another team 
in this conference. He always was a guy that wanted to see him in the top one earned with regards to possessions. Graham Troy, they're more of a mid-tempo team this year. They had been very slow in recent years. They're right around a runner and 63rd in the country with regards to possessions. Graham, Texas State. This team is a tortoise. They are 338th in the country with regards to possessions per game. But what I think is going to be very important for the Troy Bunch is just being able to force some turnovers because you do have a Texas State team that they shoot it relatively well. They shoot 76% the free fly and right around 37.5% from three-point range. You've got Shelby Miller, who's actually able to shoot right around 48% from three-point range. But if there is a spot in which Texas State can be had, it is the fact that they wind up getting a little bit loose with the ball. Right around 12.8 turnovers per game doesn't sound too bad, but when you play at the tempo that they do, that's not great. They rank 244th in the country with regards to turnovers on a per-possession basis. Now, that's also an issue for Troy. Troy is 342nd in the country with regards to that as well, but this is also a Troy team that I think is going to be able to win the battle down low. Isaiah Small is really the only guy for Texas State that's able to give you more than five rebounds per game. They will give you right around 12.7 boards per game. You've had Nigel Caesar do a relatively solid job as well, but Zay Williams has been able to give this Troy team right around seven rebounds per game. He's been able to do a solid job. Effie Odigi, who winds coming in from UTEP, he's able to give you 11.6 rebounds per game. And it's a Troy team that they do a relatively solid job of being able to force some seals. Really, both of these teams do. As Texas State, they've been relatively tenacious on the defensive end with regards to steals force on a per-possession basis. You're finding Texas State being a top 75 team with this regard. And then you take a look at the flip side and what you're able to get out of this Troy team. They rank right around 65th themselves. But with Troy, what I think is going to be really important is getting back the Dukes, Duke Miles, Duke Dean out there in the backcourt. These guys have been relatively solid. They've been able to cut down on the turnovers recently. And it's a Texas A team that occasionally they can have a little bit of a tough time being able to put the ball in the basket. I do think that you're going to be seeing a little bit of late game felling that is going to help out Texas State a little bit more because they are a little bit of a better free throw shooting team, but we've noticed that Troy has been able to do a better and better job at the free throw line as the season has went along. This is a team that has been able to shoot right around 79.5% from the charity stripe in their last three games. I do think that Troy gets the job done on their own floor. I did wind up saying them as the two-point favorite, so with them being the underdog, I'm going to be taking a look at them on the money line. Maybe my total 130, so I am also going to be taking a look at an over in this spot, as I do think that you do wind up getting those late game fouls to be able to push this one over. I also do find it interesting what we're going to be able to get out of this home underdog. I mentioned it a little bit earlier in the show that home underdogs have not necessarily been doing so great. I wound up hitting upon one that I like. Here's one that I'm not necessarily fond of. 889, 890. You've got Little Rock, and they're going to be playing us to Coastal Carolina. The Chanticleers are finding themselves in most spots, right around a six and a half point favorite, seeing a couple sevens out there as well. And your totals between 137 and a half and 138 and a half. And when it comes to Coast Carolina, set them as more around a seven and a half point favorite because you've got a Little Rock team that is just all sorts of banged up right now. You were looking at someone like a Nikolai Medic, a guy that stands right around six foot ten, someone who's been able to give you right around 12 points per game, a guy that's able to actually shoot threes, despite the fact that he's six foot ten. He is now on the fold for this team. You've been dealing with. Other guys like a D'Antoni Gordon who wanted transferring in from the Big 12. He was expected to make an impact. He's banged up. He's out of the fold for this team. It's really Isaiah Palermo and nobody else. And Palermo's a relatively solid guy. He's able to give you 11.5 points per game. Okay, three-point shooter. But and you just need a little bit more than that. And you take a look at the flip side for Coastal Carolina. Gotta love what you'd be able to get out of Isa Musafa. Musafa is someone that's able to give you right around 13 or so points, nine rebounds per game. So 
He's been able to do a very solid job with that aspect. And for Little Rock, I think that they've got like four guys that are currently out of the fold that actually see meaningful minutes. So as a result, the team has had to mix and match. They've had C.J. White, the transfer from SMU, be able to step up for the team recently. Overall for the year, averaging right around seven and a half points, three and a half points per game. You take a look at him and you just don't know what you're going to be able to get out of him on a night in and night out basis because in the team's last contest, he was able to put up 20 points. That's absolutely terrific. Prior to that, we're going to run through his last eight games. He's went 0, 0, 8, 10, 2, 5, 7, and then 20. So you just don't know what you're going to be able to get out of him. So that's a big giant what you may do there. And then when it comes to what you're able to get on the flip side for Coastal Carolina, you've got a pair of guys that shoot it very well from three-point range as Vince Cole has been able to do a good job of being able to team up with Rudy Williams. Both of these guys combined to shoot about 41.5% from three-point range. They've both been able to combine for about 29 or so points per game. So these guys have been able to do a relatively solid job there. Abrima Diba has been able to chip in their five and a half assists. Does turn the ball over a little bit too much. 2.9 turnovers per game. This is a Coastal Carolina that they will get a little bit loose with it. But at the same time, for Coastal Carolina, you do have a guy in Garrett Green who wound up missing a little bit of time this season. He's the guy that is now back full. He's able to give you right around five and a half rebounds per game along with Wilfred Likely. So I do think that Little Rock is really going to be up against it. And when it comes to this Little Rock team, they're just a team that they're getting pummeled on the glass along with just having a team that in general has not been able to put the ball in the basket because you've had so many moving parts. It has also led to the defense being, let's call it what it is, not necessarily great. Among 358 D1 teams, they rank 340th with regards to points allowed on a per-possession basis. And as the injuries pile up, it just continues to get worse and worse and worse. I wound up saying my total at a 137 half. At a 137 half, exactly, because we are seeing that number out there. I would much rather have an over rather than an under. I'm seeing a straight 137. That's where I'm pointing my attention to. I would much rather have a 137 over rather than a 138 under because Little Rock not doing a good job defensively, to say the least. And it's fine, which I do think that Coastal Carolina should be able to get the job done and get the job done relatively handily. When it comes to Fridays, typically we wind up seeing a lot out there in the Metro Atlantic as well. And we've noticed that Ryder has been able to play better recently. They are coming off a three-game losing streak after they won five straight games. But all these losses have been by either one or two possessions. As they're going to be playing us to Niagara, 881-882. Ryder is between a one and two-point favorite with your total 131 to 131.5. And made Ryder a two-and-a-half-point favorite. You've got a Niagara team that is just perennially under Greg Paulus. Yes, the very same Greg Paulus that was playing over there at Duke many years ago. They've always had a little bit of a tough time on the glass. You got Sam Morio coupled with Jordan Cintron, who are able to both give you between six and six and a half rebounds per game. But I do take a look at this Ryder team. The fact that you've got each of your top four scores shooting at least 75 and a half percent in the free line, I think is big. Ryder only shoots about 32 percent from three, but they do a good job of taking care of the ball. 11 and a half turnovers per contest. Not necessarily a fast team, not necessarily a slow team. Ryder has seen a little bit of variance with regards to the way that they've been playing. They are going to be playing against a Niagara team that they love to be able to slow things down. Niagara with regards to possessions per game. This is a team that they rank in the bottom 40 in all of college basketball. But I do think that Ryder is going to be able to do a relatively solid job with Mervyn James being able to give you double figures in six of the team's last eight games. He's been able to come on. He's been able to be a good ancillary scorer to Demencio Vaughn, coupled with Dwight Murray Jr. Both of these guys combined to give you right around 25 points per game. Murray Jr. is able to chip in there four and a half assists per game. And when it comes to this Niagara team, you do have Marcus Hammond. He does a good job of being able to stuff the stat sheet. He's been able to give you right around 15 points, four and a half boards. He shoots it solidly from three-point range. But I just think that with Niagara, 
being a team that's in the bottom half of college basketball with regards points allowed on a per possession basis. It's not going to serve them well in this spot. I'm going to lay up to two and a half here with Ryder. And I did want to send my total at 132 and a half as well. So that is what we're going to be taking a look at there. And in the final hour right here on the look at, we're going to be taking a look at some more basketballs. We try to get you to the window on this Friday right here on VSIN, the Sports Bank Network. At Bed365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play.